please, uh, the First Corinthians chapter twelve. Uh, we are going to um, look briefly, as it, as has been said already. Our theme for the year is together, um, and we've been really looking at this scripture. I'm sorry, I went the wrong way. In Acts chapter two, in Acts chapter two, verses forty-two to forty-seven, it gives a picture of the early church, what they were devoted to, what they were about, and one of the things that stands out as you look at Acts two forty-two to forty-seven, which is a picture of the early church. Is this idea of continuity. This idea that everyone was in it together. From the youngest to the oldest, from the strongest to the weakest, they were all committed to Christ and His teachings. And these phrases here that I've highlighted make this very clear. It says, everyone was filled with awe. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They were praising God, it says, and enjoying the favor of all the people. Uh, and so you see right away, as you look at this uh, passage, that there was this theme of, of everyone together, which is going to be the title uh, of the sermon today. So we're going to look at um, 1 Corinthians 12 here in a moment, um, and, and then we'll take communion at the end uh, to celebrate how Jesus can bring us together through His, his blood and His body. Um, the Bible uses the analogy of the human body. Uh, to get us a picture of the church. You find that throughout um, the New Testament. Um, and one of the interesting things to think about uh, in light of the human body are professional bodybuilders. Right? Professional bodybuilders, they show us the potential, the potential of our bodies, what, what our muscles really can do. And they, they take it to its very peak, right? Uh, they're interesting creatures. Uh, they're, they're incredibly disciplined and know, and know, know whatever they have to do with their diet and their training uh, to build their muscles to their max. Um, and they'll do whatever they have to do to their bodies to get their bodies in that, in that peak and tip-top shape. Uh, if their calves don't bulge like diamonds in the rough, uh, if their lats don't flare like a king cobra, you know, if, if their biceps don't peak like the Himalayas, they're not satisfied, right? That's the whole idea of this idea um, of bodybuilding. And I think it's a, it's a great picture. And we actually have a brother who used to compete professionally as a bodybuilder. Mr. Ricky Gambino, uh, you know, he... Just a few years ago, I think. <laughs> Ricky, what year was this picture taken, by the way? 1994. This is 1994, Ricky Gambino. And so Ricky trained for 20 years. He trained for 20 years as a professional bodybuilder. Um, and so I don't know if he, if he made money doing it, but he was in a lot of competitions. And, and, and this is when he, he was a finalist in the Mr. Britain competition, which would be the, the bodybuilding competition in the whole, in the whole of the UK. Uh, and so Ricky, Ricky has experience in this. And I asked him over an email, and I got permission to show these photos. Um, <laughs> just to let you know. Um, of, of Ricky's training. So I was asking him about this over email, and he says this. He says... Dining for a show was intense. To get com competition ready, you had to peak on the day of the show, and it was tough, real tough, he says. And, and for Ricky to say it was tough, real tough, I believe it was tough, real tough. He's a tough guy. He says, it is the closest to death that you can be to, do vir to have virtually no fluids in you so you can look, quote-unquote, ripped, uh, as they would say. And so Ricky, you know, he peaked in his training and placed fourth. Uh, in the Mr. Britain finals uh, there in, in 1994. Um, and so, Ricky, this next picture I, I love, because this picture you can kind of see, you know, how ripped Ricky was. But this next one, this is a picture of his back during, during the competition. And you can see, you know, how every single muscle, every single muscle is, is peaked out, it's maxed out. 
it's completely as strong as it possibly could be due to the training and the diet, you know, and the regiment that Ricky was going through uh, at that time. And I bring, I bring all this up to say that, you know, God is also interested in bodybuilding. You may not actually know that. Um, God wants His church to look like Ricky's back here in this photo. And we have a great text here in 1 Corinthians 12 that will help us to see just that. This is a biblical idea. But I appreciate Ricky uh, giving us this example of spiritually where we want to be. In 1 Corinthians 12, Paul does talk about this idea of God building up the body of Christ. Because the analogy that the New Testament often uses is that the church is like, is like the human body. And here Paul dives into this challenge. In 1 Corinthians 12, let's read together. 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 12. Paul is, is talking to the church in Corinth. He planted the church in Corinth and, and, and actually the theater of Corinth and planted this church. And he was there for about a year and a half. Uh, but after that he leaves. And, and so he starts getting these reports from, from brothers in Corinth. And he realizes that there's, there's division going on. People are not united in Christ. There's major sin going on. People are not repenting in Christ. And so he has these major concerns. And so 1 Corinthians addresses a lot of his concerns. And one of his concerns is this idea that the body needs to stay together. And that the body is unit in every part matters. And that's what he dives into here in verse 12. He says, Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit, so as to form one body. Whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one Spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now if the foot should say, Because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body. It would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But, verse 18, in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them just as He wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. Verse 21, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, give, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. So the title of the sermon today is Everyone Together. Everyone Together. God wants all of the parts strong in His body. And 1 Corinthians 12, I believe, gives us that vision, but it also addresses some of the challenges that actually prevent the body of Christ uh, from being ultimately what it ought to be. Uh, and so there's two real big ideas here from the text that we'll look at here, and then we'll take communion at the end uh, as we close out here this afternoon. Uh, the first one is there are many parts but one body. There are many parts but one body. Here in the first three verses of the text, you know, Paul gives uh, the theological basis for the body imagery that's developed uh, in the rest of the passage. And he says that every part of the body, right, there in 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 to 14, every part, every part is essential. Right? And we just read through that, right? Um, and he uses the term body, he introduces it here in verse 12, and then he actually repeats the, the, the term body 18 times then, after verse 12, 
uh, through uh, the end of that section. Uh, and then the word one occurs five times. And it occurs five times in verses 12 through 14. So this idea that there, there are many parts, but there's one body. Uh, and it's a heavily emphasized theme uh, throughout this passage. And so this idea of unity and oneness is what Paul spiritually is addressing as he uses this analogy of uh, the human body. And he's so intent on driving how important this, this is home that in verse 12 he says, he says, As a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body... So it is with Christ. And so he says, when you're looking at the church body, he says you're looking at Christ himself. That's how significant the church is. And so this meeting this morning is not just about meeting together. It's also about Christ himself. That's how important it is uh, when the body of Christ meets together. It represents Christ himself. Uh, we know this, that Paul learned this early on, right? When Paul was um, confronted by Jesus in Acts chapter 9 on the road to Damascus. Literally, what does Jesus say to him? He says, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? In Acts chapter 9 verse 4. Jesus has already resurrected and ascended back to heaven. But Jesus says to Paul that, that Paul is persecuting him. Why is it? Because Paul is persecuting the church. And so you can't separate Christ from the church. The Bible does not do that. And so Paul explains uh, you know, this idea and really drives from this point of unity. And then he goes on uh, here in the second part of the text. He says, For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. We were all given the one spirit to drink. Uh, and so he then goes on to give this uh, analogy, uh, but he actually brings this analogy then into a reality. He says, We were all, referring to the church, baptized by one spirit so as to form one body. Uh, and so Paul says the reason that you are, you are ultimately one is because you were baptized by one spirit. He says they're into one body. Uh, and so it's an interesting question. Is he refer, what was he referring to when he says you were baptized by one spirit? Uh, there are two different you know, theological views out there today. The one is that, oh, when you believe in Jesus, you then get baptized by the Holy Spirit. That's one view that's out there. And the other view is that it's referring to water baptism. Uh, this idea that you get in water, uh, and, and when you get in that water, in the name of Jesus, you're, you're receiving that Holy Spirit. Um, and so the question is, well, what, what is Paul referring to? Well, if you, if you jump back to when he was, uh, Luke records him converting people in Acts 18. This is actually an account of people getting saved um, in, in Corinth. In Acts 18, verses 7-8, through 8, it says Paul left the synagogue, because he was getting persecuted, and went next door to the house of Titus Justus, a worshiper of God. Christus, the synagogue leader, and his entire household believed in the Lord. And many of the Corinthians who heard Paul believed and were baptized. Uh, and so here, uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't bring belief uh, equated to baptism. And actually, they're two different phrases. It says they believed and they were baptized. Uh, and so it's, it's much more likely, and you can go into the Ethiopian Eunuch's conversion. Uh, in Acts chapter 8, it's much more likely, as Paul is talking about 1 Corinthians 12, they refer to their water baptism. That that's when they received the Holy Spirit, and then that's when they became part of that one body of Christ. And so believed and were baptized were two different events. And so we are baptized, when we're baptized into Christ, which, which Acts, I think, makes clear is water baptism, not a spirit baptism, just literally an experience of belief. Uh, this enables us to be one. And so, yes, the church is diverse. Look around the room today. That's one of the things I love about our church. Is it's, a, it's a diverse place, right? Um, there are many parts, in other words, right? But one spirit, the Holy Spirit that we receive, or are baptized in Jesus' name, can, can allow us to be one. It allows us to be one. So if there's division, if there's disunity, 
if there is strife and tension amongst God's people, we're actually not just fighting each other. We're fighting the Holy Spirit. And that should make us take a step back, shouldn't it? When we're, when we're feeling like we're not unified. And then we're, when we're tempted to divide the body of Christ, well, ultimately, we're accountable to God for that. And that's why we must take division with the utmost seriousness. And that's why we must take disunity with, with the utmost seriousness as well. Because we're, we're dividing God, God's, we're dividing Christ's body. We're resisting the Holy Spirit and the oneness that He wants for us when we have those kinds of challenges. Um, and, the, and the text over and over emphasizes this. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 11, before uh, he says all of these are the work of, of, of one in the same Spirit. He refers to these gifts of the Spirit that the church in Corinth had. And he distributes them, referring to God, to each one just as he determines. And again, down in verse 18. But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. You know, when many of our newlyweds, I don't know why I did this, because I've never thought about, like, death, you know, inside, you know, this goes here, this goes here. But because I had a wife, she started decorating the house, and I, I never even thought about it. <laughs> like, it was like a foreign concept, like, oh, yeah, you can decorate a house. You know, I, I was single, and why would I think about that? And so maybe I started decorating the house as we're really wet, and... And, and after a while, I started having opinions. I don't know why. I just started having opinions. Because I remember one time I moved something on the mantle or something that she had set up. And I kind of moved around. I thought, oh, it's a bit more symmetrical. Went out behind the business. And she was so upset at me. And I was like, what? You know, she's wrong the woman of the house, you know? And that really hurt my feelings. And you didn't think I decorated that right. And I was like, whoa, okay. You know, I'll stop. You know, and, and I repented. Amen. And, uh... And, 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 and I had to understand, I'm, I'm threatening her, her, her womanhood. I'm threatening her, her, her security as a wife by critiquing something that she takes great pride in. And I actually was convicted by that. And, 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 and I think about that, and that's, that's, that pales in comparison to how God must feel when we start trying to mess up the body that He's created. When we start, we start trying to push it and shape it in a way that He doesn't want it to be. And so there's a huge responsibility for all of us. Yes, there are many parts. There are many parts, and praise God for that. And we need to be we need to be careful, not try to make a hand to a foot, a foot to a hand. All of us, you know, from, from, from the oldest of us to the youngest of us, we got to be very respectful of diversity. We got to be very careful. Uh, we got to keep working on that. But ultimately, we're accountable to God. It's his, it's His church. He's arranged it the way He wants to arrange it. Uh, we've got to really take take a step back. And if we can do that, I believe we can always find even if, if we're humble toward God and His plan. In the church, uh, but that's a, that's a serious thing. It's one that we will also take serious as a church. Um, and so, a couple of questions here under this first point to consider for yourself, because we're all responsible, every one of us, right, for the unity of the church and the oneness. Is do I have a biblical view of the church? Is your view biblical? Do you, do you see that this is God's church? And who am I to cause division within it? Who am I to cause strife? Let me be humble and take a step back and ask myself: Do I have a biblical view of the church? And the second is: Am I obeying God? And becoming the part He wants me to be. Because the other side of that is ultimately God wants us to, to, to be used for greater good in the church. We all have a part to play in that again. It's not just the leadership, it's everybody, right? There's a part uh, in building up uh, these many parts into one body. Uh, and so that's the first point here. And the other point here uh, to get out of this text uh, to work on really strengthening the body is over and undervalued parts. Over and undervalued parts. So Paul goes on here then to describe... You know, what, what, what takes these many parts and starts to slip them up? 
and make them not, not, not what they ought to be, making them not work together. And he addresses these two big ideas of, of, of some of the parts getting overvalued. We, 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 we focus too much on certain parts, and then, and then because of that, then other parts get undervalued. And they're not really um, appreciated for what they ought to be. But again, that's an unhealthy, unbiblical view of the parts. According to this passage that we just read, specifically verses 15 to 26, Paul says, every part is important. And he says, and the parts that you may, may not think are as important, he says, they're actually even, we should give them even more attention. They're even more important. And so these two tendencies, you know, an inferiority complex and a superiority complex, self-pity versus pride, these extremes in our views of the parts of the church can really hurt the church, uh, it, 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 you know, hurt our unity. Um, and so Paul says here, everyone is someone in the church because we're all in this together. We're all, we're all one body. But when certain Christians think they, they just don't have anything to offer, when certain Christians think they, they can't really do much, they're not really significant, they, they then fail to, to participate in the church as they ought to. And as we start to think that way, we start to pull back. And we start to hurt the church because we're all part of it. And then on the other hand, when someone thinks of themselves as God's gift to the church, make me king, you know, make me king, I, my view is the right view. When someone starts acting like that, and that's a very dangerous view of leadership to have that kind of view, right? Then all of a sudden we're overemphasizing certain parts. And that too, that too is just destructive and dangerous. And so we have to be very careful to make sure all parts are valued correctly. But of course this is a challenge. You know, why do we undervalue parts? Why do we do that? Well, Paul says here... Uh, in verses 15 to 20 uh, of the text, uh, if you look at it here, he talks about how, how it happens. He uses an analogy. He says, if the foot should say in verse 15, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, says they would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, they would not for that reason stop being part of the body. Um, and so he talks about, you know, you know, these, these analogies in, in comparison, specifically. He says that the foot, the foot says, yeah, I'm not a hand. And if you think about it, the hand is way more popular than the foot. I mean, if we're going to do a vote right now, we're not going to have you raise your foot, right? We're going to have you raise your hand. The hand has incredible dexterity. The foot can do a few things, you know, with your toes, and people who don't have hands sometimes develop that in their toes. But, but the, the foot cannot, cannot do the things nearly overall that the hand can do. And so the hand is kind of that, that more public, you know, kind of popular part, well-known part of the body. Yeah. And so, so but he says that, that because the foot keeps looking at the hand, the foot starts getting insecure. <laughs> but let's be honest, without, without the foot, the hand's going to be limited to where it can do things. <laughs> so the foot is very important to the hand. If I don't have my foot, I can't get my hand over there to shut the light off, right? Or, or you know, or, or whatever it may be. And so it's real easy to, for the foot then to, to just want to hide in the shoe, when really there, there's more to it than that. And that's exactly what Paul says can happen when we start to, to, to look at this thing. But the, but the foot has an inferiority complex because, because the hand is out in the limelight. But that's not, that's not for the foot to worry about. The foot just needs to be the foot. And then it will be what it ought to be. And that's what God wants it to be. But God doesn't want the foot to be the hand. And vice versa. But again, when we start comparing... In an unhealthy way, we start to get insecure. We start to focus not, not, not even on what we ought to be in the body, but on another part of the body. We start to undervalue and make that part of the body feel insignificant. And so it's a real challenge. And I read this this week. You know, God rewards the foot based on being a foot. That's what Paul's saying, right? And the, and the ear for being an ear. And again, you know, the ear and the eyes. 
You know, we have two, two ears and two eyes. But the eyes, they get all the attention. Has anyone ever told you you have beautiful ears? Probably not. Right? People have probably told you you have beautiful eyes. You know, that, you know people write poetry about eyes, not ears. You know, when, when, you know, when, when two, two young lovers fall in love, they don't stare at each other's ears, right? They stare at each other's eyes. There's a reason for that. There's a reason for that. And so again, you know, there, there are some parts of the church that, that, that on, the, on the surface or, or more public, they, they get more attention. They get more hoopla. They get more new press. And, and, and that's, that doesn't mean that the other parts are not important. I say this all the time. I'm no more important than anyone else in this church. And this is the passage I'm based that on. Just because I speak publicly and I preach God's word doesn't mean that I'm more important than, than the kids' kingdom worker right now back there with our children. Amen. Or the brothers and sisters who set up these chairs this morning. Yeah. If they didn't set up these chairs, I couldn't, I couldn't be speaking to you right now. Because you'd be grumpy after standing for an hour or so. You're not out of here. Every part. Every part matters. Every part matters. And that's why when, hey, we need help with the sound system. Hey, we need help setting things up. Hey, we need more ushers. We need everyone to step up. Uh, and, so, and so the public, the private, you know, they're all important. They're all important. But that's the challenge here that, that, that the ear is feeling toward the eye and the foot's feeling toward the hand. And it's just our, it's just our simple nature, right? Genesis 3, verse 6, the, the law of attraction goes all the way back to the fall in Eden. You know, why did Adam and Eve, you know, why did they eat the fruit of the tree? It says one of the things that Eve saw was it was good for food and pleasing to the eye. You get, you get too much of the eye in the body of Christ, you get in trouble. You get in trouble. And that's exactly what happened in the Garden of Eden. But what does Paul say in 1 Corinthians 12, 17? If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? And you think about how even you know, a great movie, visually and audibly, is really a great movie. But if it's silent, it, you, you lose something there, right? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as He wanted them to be. We just need to discover what part God wants us to be and be the best part we can be. That, that, that's really what God's looking for from us all. But it's so easy. It's so easy to make people feel undervalued. That's just a sad reality. We can laugh about it. Oh, you know, don't worry about it. You're just a foot. But when we start to feel like we're a foot, sometimes we start to feel insecure about ourselves. And, and we can easily do this to each other and not even mean to. I had a sister come up to me this week, and I, I was so thankful she talked to me. She, she, something I had said and something I had done had made her feel like she was less important. And I felt terrible. I was just crushed when she was telling me about no. And a lot of it was a misunderstanding between me and her. And I, and I explained you know, I some of the stuff she was misunderstanding. But I, I, was just, I, I was just sad that I had made her feel that way. And I was shocked. And I felt terrible. And I apologized to her and I explained what I was thinking and, 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 and clearly the misunderstanding I think between her and I. But I thought, wow, it's so easy. It's so easy for me to make someone feel undervalued. And, and I've got to really work hard to make sure I don't do that in the body. How terrible would it be for me to make a foot feel bad for being a foot? Or a hand feel bad for being a hand? We, we can't do that. Every part matters. Every part is valuable. And I appreciate that sister speaking up and taught me. And I learned from her that you know, uh, you know, in that conversation, that I need to make sure I make, I help everyone feel valued in the body of Christ. You know, so there's underestimated parts here, and there's overvalued parts. There's there's these, these parts that we, we 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 give too much attention to, and this creates, of course, a lot of pride. Verse twenty-one: The eye cannot say to the hand, "I don't need you." The head cannot say to the feet, "I don't need you." 
On the contrary, verse 22, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And what's interesting about this passage to me that we just read is is the wording. Paul says, on the contrary, these parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. Yeah, that, that might be what we... What it seems to be the case, and that might be what we think is true, but, but God doesn't see us that way. He sees every one of us as an important part uh, of the body of Christ, uh, and especially when we're proud. Especially when we think we're more important than we are. You know, that, that, that's definitely an inflated view, and that's definitely something that we, we think or, or, or may seem to be true, but it's actually not. It's actually unbiblical, but it's so easy to feed our pride... It's so easy. We're always looking for the superstar. We're always looking for the, the great idea. You know, that's just our sinful nature. And when we start to do that, we start to overvalue certain parts. You know, bodybuilders, if they have an awesome upper body, but they have toothpicks for legs, it doesn't work. <laughs> they wouldn't even get in the competition. Can you confirm that, Ricky? Is that true? Ricky gives me a thumbs up on that. I mean, you've never seen that. You're not going to see it, right? Because it's, 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 you're overvaluing the upper body and undervaluing the lower body. It doesn't work that way. And in the same way, in the church, we don't need to overvalue the public positions. We don't need to overvalue the, the public talents. Um, we, but we, we don't need to then belittle those either. And that's the challenge. I think when we, when we see a lot of pride, when we see you know, uh, you know, someone in a public position being wrong, we, we can then try to just tear down that part of the body. Now, we still need that part. We need that part to be appropriate. We need that part to be measured. We need that part to be used in the right way. You know, Paul says it like this, right? If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. In verse 26, if one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. That's what we've got to keep focusing on. If, if one of, the, one of the, the public parts is overvalued, we, we're all going to suffer from that. So we need to put it back in its appropriate place. We need to, you know, we need to, you know, burst that big, big-headed person, you know, bur- bur- burst their big head and get it back down to the normal size. But we don't need to decapitate him. <laughs> <laughs> we get the head back to the appropriate size. But the temptation, when things are overvalued, is just to just to cut it off. But that then starts to hurt the body because all the parts matter. And in the same way, when something's undervalued, you know, that's gonna, that's gonna that's gonna harm us. We don't need to look down on that part. And belittle that part and condemn that part. No, we need to strengthen that part and encourage that part and help that part and build that part back up. So we gotta be we gotta realize we're in it together. Yeah. We, we start attacking our own body. It's self-harm. Yeah. Right? It's self-harm to not approach this uh, spiritually in the right way. You know, I, I I'm just recovering from the flu last Sunday. I wanted to be here with you guys, but I just took it out of bed. And I heard Matt did a great job preaching. Amen. Appreciate that. Um, but man, one little virus and one little part of my body, and my whole body is just, it's just done. It's over. It's over for it was a good week for me. I was that sick. And I don't usually even get sick, you know. Um, you know, we, we have to make sure that we, we work on every part, that every, every part matters, every part is significant, and let's get all the parts in, in a healthy balance, and then God's church can keep growing, can keep becoming more and more what it ought to be. Every little, every little part matters. Every little undervalued part, let's get that part valued again. If you're feeling undervalued today, how can we help you feel more valued in the church? If you're feeling overvalued today, you know how can we help you to humble out and make it and, and, and play the appropriate place in the church, right? We all need to help each other with that. 
You know, so practically, you know, you know, what 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 can we learn here? Well, I think, uh, you know, on the second part, you know, it's just really important that that every part matters. You know, if we're missing that one piece, the puzzle is not complete. You ever do a jigsaw puzzle? Yeah. You've been working so hard, and then you get to the end, and you're like missing one or two pieces. It's so discouraging. It's like we've been defeated, you know, and we were so close to being finished. And that's and that's really such a scary picture of the church. That's why we need to be at all the meetings. Amen. Maybe you can't make all the meetings, but please make the effort to be at all the meetings. Because we miss out when you're out here and vice versa. And that's why we need to all figure out what part God wants us to play and make sure that we are not, that we are not the missing piece in the body of Christ. That we are not the missing piece in the body of Christ. We have 130 individuals in our church. It really is like a jigsaw puzzle. Each one has unique talents, abilities, and spiritual gifts. And every one of us is vital to the big picture. To the proper functioning of the church. There, there are no spare parts here. Every part matters. There are no extras. You know, when, when, I, don't, when, I, when I play the wrong part, I actually prevent someone else from play, playing the right part. Right? Because there's no extras. You know, we're all in it together. So a couple questions here to consider on the second point. And then we're going to take communion together. Is do I know which part I am meant to be? That's a challenge. I'd encourage you to study out Romans 12. It talks about these different gifts that God gives to us all. Everyone has, has you know, one or two of those gifts. I mean. you know, which part am I meant to be? Get input on that. Ask people if you're not sure. But if you know what you are, well, do you feel overvalued or undervalued as that part? And then how can, how can I adjust this? We always want to say, well, the church, the church is this and the church is that. But really, God calls you. He calls me. To, to be that part and to, to figure out how to adjust that. And hey, man, if you need help from the leadership, you know, if you need help to adjust that, hey, man, I, you know, I understand that. You know, the other thing is, you know, you, you want to get advice, you want to be wise. If you think you're supposed to be the hand when you're actually the foot, that can cause a lot of problems. So it is good to get advice about that and, and, and be wise in our family groups and in the church. But it's so important that everyone feels like they really are a valued part of the church. In God's church, everyone is someone because we're in this together. God's church, everyone is someone because we're in this together. We're going to close out here by taking communion as we look at this theme of everyone together. Uh, and I think it's quite interesting how Christ can help us uh, with wherever we're at today. Because who knows where we're all at? It's, we've got to have unity and diversity, but there's a lot of places that we're all at after, after thinking through this uh, you know, study in 1 Corinthians 12. Uh, but I want to give us the vision today of everyone going further together and being more of that one body that Christ wants us to be. Uh, but we're going to need His help. 1 Corinthians 10, uh, verses 16 to 17, talks about how communion can really help us with this. Paul says there in the same letter, he says, It is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks and participation in the blood of Christ. And it is not the bread that we break and participation in the body of Christ. Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all share the one loaf. You know, we want to be everyone together today. That is the vision. And there are many parts working, you know, in this one body. We, we need to have this unity and diversity. Um, and the church body, you know, it, it really is an amazing thing. I hope you see how amazing the church is already and how amazing the church can be. Uh, and again, this analogy of the human body is quite revealing. Uh, if you're an average adult of average weight, here's what you accomplish in 24 hours. Your heart beats 103,689 times. Your blood travels 1,000,068,000 miles. 
You breathe 23,040 times. You inhale 438 cubic feet of air. You eat 3.25 pounds of food. You drink 2.9 quarts of liquid. You speak 4,800 words in 24 hours, including some unnecessary ones, and I apologize for that. <laughs> you move 750 muscles. Your nails grow 0.00046 inches. Your hair grows 0.01714 inches, a little bit more. And you exercise, this is the most mind-blowing one, you exercise 7 million brain cells in 24 hours. You didn't know your brain was that strong, did you? And that acting, you know, it's amazing, it's fascinating. And, and that, to me, you know, that, that's, that's a little taste of the human body in just 24 hours. But what about the body of Christ in 24 hours? When all the parts are doing what God wants them to do, and they're all working together as one, what is it capable of? That's an exciting thing to think about. But we know in reality that's also a real challenge. Right? Because we have diverse parts with diverse needs. Some of us, you know, this, today we, we need forgiveness to be that part again. Maybe, we need repentance maybe to be that part again. We need faith maybe to be that part. We, we, we need encouragement and help maybe to figure out how to be that part. You know, whatever it is that we lack as a body, because we, we participate and share in that one loaf, which is Christ, we, we, we can get there. But we need the body of Christ. We need the blood of Christ to, to cleanse us, to inspire us, to, to reshape us, to motivate us, to, to help us to keep going so that we can become more and more that body of one that He wants us to be. So let's pray and, and come together more as, as, as we ultimately can, which is really through Christ. What a great way to end this thought by, by coming together through Christ as we take the bread of drippiness as body. And the cup of drinkers is this blood. Let's go ahead and pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much uh, that we can come together as your body today here uh, in this facility. Thank you so much, God, uh, that your son was willing to to become a man, to take on a human body. Uh, And not just to uh, become a man, but to sacrifice that body. To spill his blood, God, on the cross. So that we can be forgiven, God, because we fall short of the picture of the church that we ought to be. We fall short individually and collectively, God. And yet, God, we know that through uh, your son's sacrifice, through his body, we can be forgiven. Through his body, God, we can be renewed. Through his body, God, we can become more and more the different parts that you want us to be, God. And as we just learned about the amazing things that happen in the human body in 24 hours, God, I pray, God, that we we can hope. And we can forge ahead and we can really become more and more that body of Christ here that you want us to be. Uh, help us, God, uh, to grow in our value of the parts that we're supposed to play and have a clear understanding of that, God. Help us to fight for unity, to fight, God, to be one. Uh, and that, that we can then, God, do amazing and wonderful things, God, through your Son. Thank you so much for uh, your willingness, God, uh, of your Son to, to die on a tree so that we can have forgiveness and we can have hope, God. But I pray, God, that we won't just uh, feel forgiven, that we'll feel changed as we take communion together, God. Thank you so much for your, uh, the cup which represents the blood of your Son and the bread which represents His body. We praise in Jesus' name. Amen.